0: All right, dads, it is time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. We are coming off a little bit of a layoff here due to my interview with Dana White airing last Friday. But Frogman Friday returns today with an awesome guest. Retired Navy SEAL Jeff Reed joins me on the podcast today. Jeff is up in Alaska where he moved after his military service to pursue a dog mushing career. That's right. The former Navy SEAL is now a dog musher in Alaska. How cool is that? He is also a fairly new father who had to overcome a difficult situation right out of the gate. For those of you who follow Jeff on Instagram at Frozen Trident, you know the story. For those that don't, Jeff Reed will be here with me in just a few minutes. So please stick around for the interview. And Jeff Reed is the 40th Navy SEAL that I've had the honor of interviewing right here on First Class Fatherhood. I can't even begin to explain how cool that is for me to say. That doesn't include the gold star parents of Navy SEALs that I've been blessed to speak with on the show as well. Back on episode 72 of the podcast, I was joined by Karen and Billy Vaughn, whose Navy SEAL Team Six son, Aaron Vaughn, was killed in extortion 17. Aaron was one of the few SEALs to get his name up on the evolution wall that reads, first time every time and this past memorial day i had the honor of interviewing larry brown on episode 208 larry is the gold star father of adam brown who had one of the most unlikely journeys to becoming a seal team six operator the book about his life written by eric blem titled fearless is one of the greatest books i've ever read in my life so to put it into words here how grateful i am to have spoken to all these navy seals would be impossible their mindsets are incredible and it's just awesome to get a chance to listen to them speak about fatherhood and family life They are the best of the best, and I am so proud as an American that we have men such as the U.S. Navy SEALs. All right, and Monday is Veterans Day, and I'm putting out an awesome collection of interviews in one special edition podcast episode, including two Navy SEALs, two Marines, and two Army Special Forces, all fathers. Don't miss out on that one. And please, help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with retired Navy SEAL Jeff Reed. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world strongest man, Brian Shaw, and founded by supplement entrepreneur, Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon 1. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon 1. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is a veteran who served with the elite United States Navy SEAL teams. He has since moved up to the great state of Alaska, where he started a sled dog kennel and now holds the title of musher. It is an honor for me to say, Jeff Reed, welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thanks, Alex. I appreciate you having me.
2: All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have? How old?
1: Well, I just got one kid, so I'm a new dad. And so his Atlas. Uh, he's almost 12 weeks. He was born on July 30th.
2: Awesome. yeah, and congratulations. Did you know, guys know what you were having ahead of time? Did you do like a gender reveal or you found out when he was born?
1: No, we knew what we were having ahead of time. Okay. Yeah, we, got, we were able to prepare and get his nursery and everything set up for boy. Came uh, up, uh, yeah, we got the, you know, ahead of time, so we had a whole name, the name Atlas plan. We had his, his nursery set up, had a schedule.
2: Okay, yeah, I thought maybe you you, you blew up a uh, snowman there and found out if there was pink or blue snow inside
1: or something like that. <laughs> no, nah, we didn't do like a gender review or anything like that. But
2: <laughs> um, All right, Jeff, if you could, just please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
1: Okay, yeah, I guess my story kind of begins in uh, Pennsylvania. I was born in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Um, I played sports in high school. I went to the same high school that both my parents went to. Um I started dating Jerry, which is my wife now, when we were in seventh grade. I worked for her dad who uh owned a who still runs a small dairy farm in the area and I bailed hay for him when I was ten years old, and started dating Jerry roughly around when I was twelve years old and we stayed together all through high school and then when I went on I decided to join the Navy Shortly after I graduated um went into boot camp short finished boot camp, went into buds came out of buds went to team four did one deployment to team four uh came back me and Jerry ended up getting married, did another deployment with team four came back got a diff- got orders to um the training detachment became a land warfare instructor and then I decided to get out of the navy. Um, right around the time my wife was finishing up school, and that's whenever we wanted to kind of get into the whole dog mushing thing. So we moved up to Alaska. I got a job working for Allie Zirkel and Alan Moore. Allie Zirkle it was a Yukon Quest champion and a three-time second-place I did rod finisher, and Alan Moore is a three-time Yukon Quest champion. And I got a job working for them my first year up in Alaska, and that's kind of how I learned how to dog, be a dog musher. And then uh, shortly after that, that next that next summer, we moved into our place and uh, Frozen Trident Kennel was born, and here we are now with 27 dogs.
2: Yeah, wow, that's incredible, Jeff, too, just that, you, you know, that's awesome to see that your relationship has lasted, you know, for so long. I know that so many people that serve in your community there, they have trouble uh, with family life and holding it together like that just because of the, you know, the demands of your job, uh, so, so that's awesome, and I know that now Atlas was born. Now, listen, I understand, you know, how nerve-wracking it can be. My wife and I, we suffered through multiple miscarriages, and, uh, you know, all of her pregnancies were high risk, but I never experienced anything like you had to go through with Atlas when he was born. So walk me through the events of his birth in the first few weeks.
1: Yeah, so when he was born, he was he was definitely a little bit small. He was 5 pounds, 5 ounces. Um, and so he had to be monitored for the first couple of days and, and uh, just to keep get his weight up and everything. But... Yeah, everything went good after after that. We left the hospital, came home, everything was going good. And then I went out. It was one morning, everything perfectly healthy, baby. Baby, whenever I woke up in the morning, went out and did some chores in the dog yard. Came back in, and he was really like starting to get fussy. And uh, so Jerry went and took my wife went and took his temperature, and it came back. It was a little bit high, um, but nothing like crazy. She took it again, and it was starting to climb. It was higher than the last time it was about she took it again and like thirty minutes later so she she's a physician assistant in the emergency department, so she kind of knows the protocol and like one you need to bring people into the emergency room and when you don't so she was like, "We need to go and the thing that was alarming about this is that he had a fever, but with no symptoms, so there was nothing to really go off of, and I think she knew that it was probably going to be meningitis just from that. And that's actually what when they did the workup, they did a spinal tap, and uh, they found um, an infection in his spinal fluid and in his blood. So they started him on IV antibiotics, and um, his temperature still continued to increase, so they added Tylenol to try to combat the fever. Um, Tylenol didn't really help, and he was maxed out on the Tylenol, and the antibiotics weren't helping. So because he was kind of on maxed out on support and not really being able to add anything else, Jerry thought it would be best that we would get um, medevaced to Anchorage where they'd be able to maybe do more if he does start to deteriorate. Um, so that being said, once they were going to life flight him to Anchorage, I went back to the kennel because I still had to take care of the dogs. I couldn't just leave them back here, and uh, only one person could go with Atlas anyway. So Jerry went with Atlas to Anchorage, and while she was flying to Anchorage, Atlas started having seizures on the on the airplane. Jerry took a video of it to show the doctors so they where they could see what was going on, and the doctors like, yeah, it looks like he's having seizures. And uh, they did a CT scan whenever they got to Anchorage, and showed that there was uh possibly like a stroke in his brain on the like the back right side of his brain and uh but they needed to do an m r i to confirm that and because he was having seizures, they couldn't really put him into the into the um machine m r i machine um so i the first day she was there the seizures kept coming and kept coming and then the the doctor um came in and and told her that because of the blood infection and the spinal infection and his high fever and now that the fact that he is starting to have seizures on top of this and he's not getting better despite all efforts uh, he was going to have to overcome the odds just to survive. Jerry called me that night and and told me to get my ass down to Anchorage uh, however, I get however to do, I could do it. So, luckily, I have a great family back home, and my dad came up here to take care of the dogs as I went down to Anchorage. Um, that first night I got in Anchorage, uh, it was so it was terrible because I got there and he started he continued to have seizures, and but this time he he started going apneic where he wasn't breathing during his seizures. And uh, as a father, you during all that. Just sitting there watching your kid suffering like that and having seizures, and there's absolutely nothing you can do, oh, it's terrible. It it was the worst thing ever, and I just sat there for pretty much two days and uh, watched Atlas seize up and go apneic and have to get um, CPAP to keep his oxygen levels up. I was going into, like, a dark place there for a while because I, I thought this was retribution for all the terrible things I've done. And and uh, so I started was kind of a prisoner in my own mind and um, just wasn't really starting to get kind of angry, you know, about the situation, angry with God. And, and I was in a, in a dark place, and that's whenever um, Sean Rhyme my buddy Sean, posted that video out there saying that we need help, and, and, yet, and that was a big deal for us too because we wanted to protect Atlas from social media as much as possible. So like we talked before Atlas was even born that we didn't want any real pictures of him up on social media. And they didn't want to expose him to that, that world too young and uh just the fact that we had to do that just showed the desperation that we just we needed prayers and good vibes at the very least and and once that happened um once Sean made that video my sister my hometown had this beautiful prayer service uh it just the room and that situation lifted and he started uh the seizures started to um, not happening as frequently. His fever started to break, and then the next thing you know, he was starting to suck on a pacifier, and then he went back to breastfeeding, and and uh, came came out of his his sickness. Um, the one thing that did that they did discover. So he got he he got stable enough to get the MRI. The MRI did show that he had a stroke in the back right part of his brain. It was a pretty significant size stroke. Um, But we're not going to be able to know the damage that that stroke caused until he gets old enough to meet his developmental milestones. So, like, when he starts walking and talking. And the good thing about that is the location of where the stroke happened in his back right part of the brain because that doesn't control behavior or personality. It's more of your speech and your uh, fine motor skills. So that's a blessing right there. But we've been back now, and and, uh, he's been doing everything a – Uh, 12-week-old baby should be doing, you know, he's laughing at you, he's smiling, he's, I mean, he's, he's doing great.
2: And that's incredible, Jeff, and I did, I mean, of course, I've seen the post there, and I had my prayers with you and your family there, just because, uh, you know, being, you know, a young father and having to go through that, well, how was your um, wife during all of this, how was her health, did she have any complications, and how did she hold up during this whole thing?
1: Yeah, so during the, the the birth and everything, her health was great. The pregnancy she like she she's a, she's a rock star. She did awesome. And then throughout this whole the whole ordeal with Atlas, whenever he was um at his worst, she she was a rock there too. She was she was strong. She I mean she she's an amazing woman. She's she she's very she's she's a badass woman. She's she's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. And I,
2: One of the things I, I guess I would worry about myself, like moving to some place up like where you are, is something like uh, hospitals and, and pediatricians, especially when you start having kids. So how do you feel about, like, is there pediatricians close by you, or do you have to go very far, and do you have one that you trust right now?
0: Hey, dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strikeforce Energy packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States co-founded by navy seal sean matson strike force energy blows away the energy drink competition right now first class fatherhood listeners can save 15 percent off their purchase by visiting strikeforceenergy.com and using the promo code fatherhood strike force energy turns any beverage into an energy drink get yours today strikeforceenergy.com promo
2: code fatherhood okay. How do you feel about, like, is there pediatricians close by you, or do you have to go very far, and do you have one that you trust right now?
1: Yeah, we, there's, so there's a pediatrician here in Fairbanks that we go to, and Fairbanks is about 45 minutes away from the kennel. Um, but where, because of the stroke that he had his, and the damage to his brain, he needs to see a pediatric pediatric neurologist, and that's in Anchorage. And from what I've been told, that there's only one and he's on the the edge of retirement, so we, that's a, that's uh a, the, there's not too many as far as specialty doctors like that up here, and we we will be traveling to Anchorage at least monthly to get checkups for him down there.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's um that's incredible. Yeah, I seen the the pic on Instagram there that you uh you know if you reading him books and stuff like that. Uh, what what type of books do you read them? Are you still reading to them every night? What does the bedtime routine look like for you when you're trying to put them to
1: sleep? Oh, yeah. So, uh, right now, we're we're reading Jack Carr, um, Jack Carr's first book. Um, and, uh, yeah, right now we're reading The Terminal List. And, you know, that's start that series. And after we're done with The Terminal List, we'll read um, True Believer, then, after that.
2: Yeah, I've had Jack on the show, man. He's incredible. He was oh, awesome
1: – yeah, yeah, I've had him
2: on. Yeah, he's great. Uh, now, what are the what, what are like the continued concerns that you have right now for him to, to be sure that he's in the clear? How long did they say like this process of having to go to the uh, a pediatric neurologist is going to happen? Is it going to be to a certain age or is it going to be indefinite?
1: Yeah, it's it, so it's it's a it's a waiting game now to see what what the so there's a chance that he may not have any disabilities and there's a chance that he could have some severe disabilities and it's just going to be. Uh, a waiting thing to see how he develops and where he's at as far as the uh, the curve and, and as far as where he's at without like other kids his age. So it's all going to be where he's at in his milestones. And we'll I, know I, that. so it could be it could be um, to when he starts walking and, and uh, talking and stuff is when we'll really know the I guess the damage. That the stroke has caused, and, and and while we're waiting for that, we're, we're gonna ha- we meet we have a occupational therapist that comes out to the house and works with him and, and stuff like that. So so we are trying to we're staying ahead of it, making sure that that any symptom that we see we're, we're catching early and and uh, addressing it as we need.
2: Yeah, that's cool and and definitely like your experience uh you know like a father by fire here like you got thrown right into the mix has there been anything aside from obviously all this stuff that's going on anything unexpected about being a dad that you've had here early on
1: well uh, yeah just other than the the health scare there that happened man being a father's been amazing it, it's and it, it's one of those things that you know you hear people talking about how it's life changing and everything and you kind of just like yeah i'm sure and, like if you see little babies and they're they're great. I mean, I've always loved babies when I was before I had one and and uh but you could always hand them off and get rid of but whenever you have one of your own it it's it's amazing. It's really it's I don't even know how to really describe it. It makes you wanna uh do be better at everything. For for them and, and to learn more things, to teach them. It it makes you just be want to be a better person.
2: Yeah, very well said. And and has any of your Navy SEAL training helped you prepare for them long nights with the newborn?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just the grind there. That's just, you got to get yourself out of bed. You know, you, you may, sometimes you may not want to. It's just forcing yourself. And then also the discipline thing. I mean, that's just being disciplined, getting out of bed when you need to. And and uh, that's that's something that you uh, set an example and let that snowball into your everyday life, too, that your kid can see. And
2: how about how do the how do the dogs um, how are they around your son and how does your son take to the dogs?
1: Oh, they're they're awesome. We we started off with Eleanor, who's our pet dog, by bringing in his blanket whenever he was first born, and and she she loved it. She like lay down and rolled all over it, and then because uh, she's our pet dog and inside every night, uh, she would she she was with him. She followed him in every room that that he went into. Um, as far as the other dogs, like the sled dog, the team dogs go, we bring it. We're bringing in three of them each night uh, to to meet him, and they've been awesome. They they're very curious, but they're very uh, um, they're very curious, but they're very sweet with them at the same time. And Eleanor is so protective of them that if if she even senses any like any like dogs licking him too hard or trying to lick him, then she'll she'll run over there and like push them away from it. It's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> Very cool. What was the genesis of you getting interested in the, uh, did you read like Call of the Wild when you were a kid? How long has this been like stirring in you that you were interested in doing this?
1: Oh, man, I I liked, uh, I think I read Gary Paulson when I was in like sixth grade, seventh grade, and that was how I first like heard of sled dogs. And then when I was in the SEAL team with my first deployment, I rescued a dog, Frank, uh, over there. And that started my love for dogs. I never had a dog when I was a kid. And we, me and Frank had such an awesome bond, and part of it was probably the time that we spent in Afghanistan and the fact that I smuggled him home. And then whenever he was home, he became my service dog. And then I be, as when I was an instructor, we traveled around the East Coast together, at different training sites. And, and uh, so we had an awesome bond. Uh, he was hit by a car and killed months, I would say three months before I was actually get it separating from the Navy and when he died it was uh when he was hit by the car it was it left a big void because he like, he was a, one of my best friends at the, like, and and losing him was tough so I went about a year after that without having uh, a dog and I just really was like something I just felt like that bond was so rare with frank that it wasn't even worth trying to renew with another dog and then then i the idea of the Iditarod came back to me and sled dogs and like well if you're gonna have that bond that special strong bond with a dog those situations you are out there in the wilderness and stuff like that's that's how you get it so that's kind of when this that's how that idea started rolling in my head and i started i pitched it to jerry and then she's she's a crazy dog lady too and she's she just wanted a reason, an acceptable reason to own 27 dogs and not be crazy, so she was automatically on board. And, uh, yeah, so then that just kind of led to us moving up to Alaska.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. And
1: uh, I, I know I, I had uh, Mike Ritland on the show earlier there,
2: too, a while back. You know, he does the canine training. Was that something that you ever were interested in doing in the SEAL teams, or it just
1: came too late towards your end, towards the end? Yeah, that's something I really wanted to do in the SEAL teams, and right after my second deployment, the SEAL team, the DOL program at the SEAL teams, kind of switched into a platoon, uh, an internal platoon thing, instead of its own detachment. Um, anyway, with that, be, that being said, since I was going to a training side and not, I wasn't going to be in a platoon anymore, that kind of ship sailed. And then I decided, when I decided to get out... Um, yeah, I kind of, I, I still like, I still love dogs and wanted to work with dogs and, and actually now that you, you brought up Mike, I've, I've talked to Mike a couple times and gotten, picked his brain about training advice on how to, to fix some dogs up here and how to, to better my training program up here. Mike's an awesome man.
2: Yeah, he was incredibly well spoken too. Yeah, I had him on quite a while ago. Um, and as far, like, what is, the, what's the plan moving forward here? What kind of uh, goals or plans do you have, considering having any more children, or what's the plans?
1: Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have some more children. I mean, we we don't want Atlas to be an only child, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I I have a brother and two sisters and I I'm very close with my siblings and can't imagine not having them. So that's kind of we we'll want to have we'll probably definitely have another one or try to have another one and and then uh the future for the the kennel here for this year it, it because of uh, you know kids can change change things up quite a bit. It's going to put a little bit of a hold on our racing plans, but this this winter we got plan to do some expeditions out and just have fun with the dogs, really, and spend more time at home with the family and help Jerry out around the house and spend time with Atlas because these are times that you never get back.
2: Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah, and I, you know I'm curious. A lot of struggle. I mean, I know your son is obviously very young for this yet, but a lot of us dads, you know, we, we compete with this technology. It's nuts with the kids with the iPads and the iPhones. You're out there, you know, d- doing the wilderness thing, and, and like basically pre-technology era. Is is technology have a big influence out there? Do you have the Wi-Fi and the iPads and all that stuff?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's out there. We, get, we the nice thing that can save us out where we're at is our internet is super slow, so. And we can only have one device connected to the internet at a time. Else, and you can't load anything. So if he starts spending too much time on on the internet down the road, or I'll just log on and hog the the internet. That way, he can't have it. <laughs> what, what, what do you recommend as a new dad? Like, and I see the the amount of dads that you've talked to, the amount of first class dads that you've talked to. What's your advice on that? Well, we
2: kind of use the technology as like a form of currency
1: here, really, to kind of motivate them to do things that they otherwise
2: wouldn't necessarily want to do, like certain chores around the house or the older ones, whether it be taking their younger sister or their brother somewhere, something that they maybe wouldn't want to do. We'll dangle that carrot of the technology in front of them, and then they'll do just about anything in order to get like an hour of that screen time. But during the school year, it's a no-go, you know, especially during the week. So it's a struggle because – it's what all their friends are doing everybody is on the fortnite everybody is on the um you know social media and stuff like that so um it, it, i'm still learning the best way to kind of handle it myself uh, i didn't grow up with all the technology I mean, we had the nintendo and stuff like that but this is um it's a new it's a new ball game for all of us so we're, i'm trying to adapt and take little bits of information from all the dads that i can and see how they're handling it
1: yeah absolutely and then too like the whole cyberbullying thing is a whole different can of worms right there too
2: Yeah, and, you know, uh, uh, Craig Sawyer has been good. I had him on the show, too. He's been pretty good because he's involved with that uh, uh, Vets for Child Rescue, and he always posts, like, um, certain little things that the kids are getting into, certain apps to watch out for, how they're hiding their communications, Uh, especially, like, my oldest just became a teenager here. He's in eighth grade, so he's just on the cusp of all of that stuff. So, uh, you know... They have these Finstas, these fake Instagram accounts. Uh, this is one you think that they're using, but they're really using another one. So they're pretty sharp when it comes to all the technology, and uh, they got one up on us. So you got to try to really uh, investigate and stay on top of it best you can. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Well, last thing I want to hit you with here, Jeff, i love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. I'm curious to hear yours. You're a fairly new father here yourself. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening?
1: Oh, man, That's, being a new dad, I mean, all I can speak about is the first first couple, first two months of it, and I can say that it goes fast, and you, I can literally see my kid growing. So just take advantage of the time that you have with it and, and try to stay in that moment because it doesn't last long. And two, help mama bear out as much as you can.
2: Yeah, very well said. I love the advice. Uh, God bless you and your family. You're a first-class father all the way. I got to say, Jeffrey, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate you having me
1: on here. It was great talking to you.
0: Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Jeff Reed for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please send me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. That's all i got for you guys this week. Lock it in. Next week, I'm going to kick off the week with a Veterans Day special. i got six interviews that I'm dropping on you. Two Navy SEALs, including the lone survivor Marcus Luttrell and Rob O'Neill. Two Marines, John Tate Teagan and Dakota Meyer. And two Army Special Forces, Sean Parnell and Mike Durant. Don't miss out on that and more. Follow me on Instagram at Alec Lace, for all of the upcoming guest announcements. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.